How you spend your money is, in many ways, how you spend your life. So how can you generate not just a return on your investments, but a return on life? Welcome to the Own Your Wealth Podcast. Whether you're a working professional, a small business owner, or thinking about retirement, listen in as host Jason Deshays of Cook Wealth discusses tax strategy, financial planning, and more to equip you to live life empowered and truly own your wealth. Welcome and thank you for joining us today for Own Your Wealth with Jason Deshays. I'm Wendy McConnell. Well, Jason, how are you today? Oh, I'm doing great. We had a nice little spring bake break trip and got back and ready to tackle the day. And it's just a wonderful. I wish the weather would cooperate a little better. It's just been a little <laughs> dreary, but you know, now that it's that'll spring. be short lived. Yeah, yeah, spring has not sprung yet here in no. North Carolina. Uh, so you're refreshed and renewed. I am renewed. A little sunburned too, but okay. that's another thing. Yeah, and man, I'm very excited because, as you can see here, we have a new friend here um, on the <laughs> podcast. We do. So tell me, who is he? This is Derek Williams. He's one of our financial advisors, is a solid person and a very knowledgeable gentleman. He's a level three candidate for the CFA, which is a big deal. And he can tell you a little more about that. <laughs> and he's the head of our investment research. So he takes care of crafting our portfolios and doing all of the investment research that keeps our clients taken care of and us in good compliance. Welcome, Derek. Thank you for joining us today. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Okay, so tell me, let's start off with what is a chartered financial analyst? For sure, yeah. So it, the CFA is a designation that people in the investment realm pursue. It gives you a a deep understanding of the full breadth of, of the investment spectrum. So anything from looking at individual stocks and bonds to mutual funds to crafting portfolios for our clients. No, I thought maybe it meant to, you get to fly on charter planes rather than regular commercial. <laughs> well, actually, it doesn't have to do with chicken. Type, uh, CFA and Google, most of the time, what comes up is your nearest Chick fil A. So, yeah, that's that's uh, usually what I would expect it to be. <laughs> you fly to Atlanta and explore the headquarters over there. So, what, what else do you, what do you do exactly then? Yeah. So, on a day to day basis, I'm helping to craft the big picture allocations or portfolios that all of our clients are invested in. And that all goes all the way down to the client level where we uh, advisors will have me uh, sit in and kind of help them pick through the investments, decide what little tweaks and changes we should make, whether it's something in their life that's changed or they have retirement coming up or something like that. So all the way from the big picture stuff down to the, the client level. And Wendy, one of the things I, I love doing with Derek is we will, especially with a new client comes in and we're kind of looking at what they had before and we talk through it and we have this really neat discussion about, all right, this is a really good investment. It's a kind of substitute here because we don't want to do anything with it yet. It's not the right time. How we balance this in without just ripping the bandaid off and burning off a bunch of tax. And I just love that we can have that dialogue and kind of work through what's the best philosophy and then work our way to that with a good plan. Yeah, that sounds important. Sounds like that's something that should be done. Absolutely. Go figure. Yeah, yeah I know. So what is it that interests you in investments so much that you've committed your career and extra time earning a CFA? <laughs> yeah, that's that's a great question. Uh, I Back when I was in college, I uh, got into investing and started buying a few shares here and there of things. And uh, over time, started started to really enjoy it and, and realize that the stock market is 
the greatest opportunity for most people to create wealth for themselves over time. So it's something that I really enjoy doing. I really like being able to decipher a lot of the complex things that are going on in the market and help clients translate that into, you know, their day-to-day financial plan. So you want it to be rich. Well, I mean, yeah, of course, everybody starts out that way, right? (laughs) Especially (laughs) when you're college and you have no two nickels to rub together. No money. Anything is is rich, you know. Buying shares of Apple to uh, pay for pizza, so. Yeah. So listen, let me ask you, how is it that you got started in college? Because that's pretty early for most people. Did somebody in your family encourage you to do that? Yeah, it was my grandfather, actually. He was, uh, had been a longtime investor and he kind of got on board with the original Vanguard funds back in, you know, back in the uh, 70s and 80s. And he had been investing for a long time and really wanted to show everybody in the family how important it was. And I was the only one that cared. So uh, so then again, I started uh, doing it myself and trying to figure out, pick individual stocks and things like that. And eventually over time, figured out that a good diversified portfolio was the way for most people to go. Derek, I don't think I've ever asked you this, but is this where the morning paper, the morning Wall Street Journal habit came <laughs> into play? Was it the grandpa or did you take on that yourself? Actually, that's a really good question. It was, it, my grandpa did used to read the paper, but then again, you know, when he did it, it was, it, it, that was the only option. You didn't Normal. really grab an iPad, but yeah. Uh, well, yeah, we did, I, we I read newspapers. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. So that's where, that's where that came from. So Derek, one of the things, and I hear this all the time, a lot of times with tax stuff. Oh, I didn't know you did that. I didn't really think about that. And it a lot has to do with misinformation that they hear or, you know, whatever. I, I think that this is probably a, very heavily applies in the investment side of things that yeah. what are your thoughts on that in terms of what people think they know versus what reality <laughs> turns out to be? Yeah, that that's a good one because, you know, anybody can go open an account at any of the big institutions and begin buying and selling stocks or even, you know, options and all sorts of more complex things. But uh, I think a a quote I heard once was, if you're investing without actually knowing what you're doing and why you're buying it, uh, you're running through a dynamite factory with a lit match. And um, sometimes you'll survive, but every once in a while, (laughs) things might blow up. So (laughs) it's important to know what you have, why you own it, you know, what the ideal uh, strategy is for it, whether it's a stock, bond, mutual fund, ETF, anything like that. So, so what do you think the biggest hold up, but like, what is the, the biggest pitfall you see happen with people when they're kind of like going on their own? What's the thing that you find hic- is the hiccup that always seems to happen pretty consistently with people? Yeah, it could be any number of things. If I had to say the most or the number one thing we see is probably just people buying things because they're going up and selling things because they're going down. And uh, so if you're buying a stock when it's on its way up, you may do a great job and you might jump on board and watch things skyrocket up uh, or the same thing on the downside. But unless you really have a good thesis behind why you're investing, why you're doing what you're doing, uh, it's really difficult to know, you know, when you should be buying or selling. Yeah. But isn't that what we're supposed to do? Buy when stocks are on the way up and sell when they're on the way down. <laughs> isn't that what it's supposed to be about? Buy low, That's sell high, I think is the uh, classic edge. <laughs> yeah. A lot of times what we see is is people actually do the complete opposite. And it's through no fault of their own. It's, it's difficult uh, when you're investing to have the right headspace to think about things. But 
A lot of times people, you know, may buy things when they've gone up and they're doing really well and they're hearing about them in the news every day. And then they sell them after they've already dropped. And uh, so we actually find a lot of times that people are are uh, buying high and selling low, unfortunately. Well, and we saw that a lot back during COVID. There was a mm -hmm. lot of free cash and everyone seemed to just make money by looking at money or looking at a stock or you know, there's been GameStop. You they were well, that, you know, yeah, that controlling that. I mean, there's all these things that are <laughs> happening. It's it just seems, and this is something I've advocated for folks forever: is that don't dabble in something if you don't have the time to do it. I would not do my. I did not do my own tax return. I had two years where I did not have access to tax software personally. When after I'd sold my practice and before I got back into the space, and I hired a friend who who is my CPA, and yeah, I told him you're going to be the best client or the worst client because either. I'd give him everything he wanted or I'd be the most annoying client because I'd be like <laughs> harassing him about why isn't it this way? I would, I would yeah. have done it this way, but I don't, if you're not doing it every day, how do you keep up with that? that? That's especially on the investment side. There's so much information that is just coming at you like, Oh, stocks going up and there didn't hit earnings. And, and I don't know how anyone who doesn't live in this world processes that. I mean, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, there, there's an entire industry that profits off of getting you to react and, and you know, get your emotions all going and everything like that. So if you turn on, you know, any of the big news channels, uh, they're all, you know, a lot of times they'll have the stock tickers going, they're flashing, they're saying, oh, terror in the markets or everything's green, you know, what are you doing? You're missing out. And uh, while those programs are really good at generating views and, and clicks on the internet and things like that. They're, it's really not a great way to invest. Most of the time when you're investing, you have to really try to stay away from a lot of those emotional mm -hmm. decisions. Uh, it's surprisingly, one of the biggest things that impacts how people invest and if they're successful is if they can keep their emotions out of things. And I think that's where hiring a professional helps. Uh, somebody that can kind of step in and, and make sure that uh, you're making decisions for uh, the right reasons. Yeah. Well, and, and and there really is kind of the rub a little bit. You know, I I know nothing about any of this stuff, nor do I want to. I mean, it's <laughs> just not my thing. I don't I don't want to take the time. But then I, you know, have to have an inherent trust of who is going to be taking care of that for me. And that's where it can get a little sketchy. Yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you have to make sure that it is somebody you trust and, and that you know, and somebody that can clearly articulate a simple investment strategy for you that, that is going to meet all your needs. Um, a lot of times people uh, will sort of sell complexity or they'll be very, you know, have lots of complex things that they need to, uh, that you need to do. But in reality, uh, having a good, simple strategy that you can understand and, and have articulated to you or articulate to somebody else is, is really important. Derek, I want to like hit that one again because I think that's such a great point. Is that it's got to be they have to. It doesn't have to be simple like I have one single fund and that's all I do. It yeah. needs to be articulated the intent behind it. And if you understand the intent, you can understand. Oh, this is why I'm invested. This is what we're trying to do here. When when there's, and I'd like to get your thoughts on what's <laughs> going on in the economy right now. But when there's ups and downs, they kind of at least say, well, yeah, that happens. But the plan is this: we're in it for the long haul. So these short spikes and dips are only that they're temporary yeah. and they, they're, they're transitory. But I think the having an intent and a plan behind the money. And that's the thing I, I think we both hear from clients is this sense of, I don't know what I'm doing. It's worrying mm -hmm. me now. I'm not sure 
what I'm supposed to do. I We've been working hard on things. We've been really focused on just grinding and getting our jobs really well. And all of a sudden we have money. There's like money over here or <laughs> someone inher- inherited some money or something happened. And they're like, I, I don't know. I, I, this adulting thing has now gone beyond my pay grade. <laughs> I don't think that's a problem, Jason. I really think that I would be okay with finding a little bit of money over here or a little bit of money over there. Well, I would too. I mean, it'd be great if you're just like, oh, look at this six figures that's under my computer. I'm good that we found that check, you know? Right. So how do you reassure people then, uh, Jason, and, and earn their trust? Well, I'd love to hear Derek's thoughts on this too. I, I think that a lot of it is understanding them as people is you really have to kind of focus on them as they're the hero of their story. You understand what the story is. You understand the journey they're on. You really hone in on what's important. Because if you go and talk to someone, you say, uh, you should be more generous with your with philanthropic giving. And they have no heart for that. This deaf ears. They're not going to hear you. They're not going to really listen to your advice. But if you understand them and you say, you know, my family is very important and taking care of them. And I'm, I'm really concerned about this. And you alleviate those pain points. Trust is built very, shouldn't say rapidly, but thoroughly. Uh, you, so you get that connection point, and then you get to know the, the what that drives them personally with other parts in their life it may have nothing to do with money. And that's where that trust gets built, uh, is by being very connected in with the person, their life, their intentions, and their big picture plans. Something to add there, Derek? Yeah, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. I think having the knowledge of who is this person? Who is their, you know, if they have a family, who is their family? What do they want to do with their life? And getting below that surface level to understand, okay, here are the real things that are driving them. How can we make sure that all these pieces we're putting together, whether it's a tax plan, an investment plan, insurance plan, et cetera, how are those all moving in the right direction? Because, you know, if anybody can put together a, an investment plan for a client, but understanding exactly why they own the things they own and why they're invested the way they should be or the way they are uh, is critical to helping people stay the course whenever things do get choppy in the markets. Um, If you're, you know, if you just go buy, you know, insert random ETF title here and and that's your whole plan. And when things get tough or when the market drops, you're going to, you're probably going to sell that. But if you have a good solidified plan with, with somebody you trust that understands what you're trying to do, I think the likelihood is that you're going to stay invested, which is uh, research has shown that's the best way to to reach your goals. So then the point is to also explain it in a simple way that they understand that you are taking care of all the confusing parts. <laughs> that's exactly right. I, the, my expression that I use is if you can't explain it to a fifth grader, you don't really understand it. And so if, if, uh, if you, you know, can boil everything down to the most important pieces for a client, uh, they're really going to walk out of there feeling empowered because at the end of the day, it's about helping them reach their goals. It's not about showing anybody how smart you are. And so if you can have the most complex and beautiful plan and investment strategy in the world, but if, if the clients don't uh, understand it and aren't on board with it, it's you know not really worth the paper it's printed on. So Derek, on that note, mm-hmm. explain it to a fifth grader. What the heck's going on in the economy right now? What is going on in the economy? <laughs> that is, uh, that's a great question. So, uh, you know, of... <laughs> he's got his crystal ball in the back. You can't see it right now, but there is one. Yeah, there, there are a lot of things going on recently. I'm sure you've seen some banking hiccups that have happened, uh, as well as 
a lot of talk about the Federal Reserve and what they're going to do with interest rates. And so it's important to just think about the overall economy. And we do when we put together a portfolio. But, you know, for for most people uh, looking at you know what's going on with the Fed raising interest rates, things like that, that shouldn't really change your investment strategy. You should have a strategy that you're really sticking with no matter what's going on. But, you know, overall, we're we're uh, we're monitoring that stuff and, and keeping an eye on the on the details and the nitty gritty so that people don't have to and they can go on and enjoy their lives and spend time with their hobbies or their families or their businesses. So what about inflation? Because that's a, it's been a very hot topic in terms of the Fed's trying to get a 2% or whatever yeah. magic number that they think will solve the world's problems. But what is it that is so important that we have to do this or else? I guess that maybe for a lot of yeah. people is, well, what happens with the what else? What, what, what happens if, if we don't do this? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, a lot of us haven't really had to deal with inflation in any meaningful way uh, in, in the last few decades. So, uh, it's something that we really haven't seen rear its ugly head. But uh, when when inflation is allowed to run rampant, a lot of things can happen. The first is that things become extremely expensive for the everyday person. So for people that are on fixed incomes or people that uh, you know are, are lower earners, they're going to be really impacted because the price of goods is going to increase way faster than their pay their paychecks are growing. But that's going to tr- that will eventually trickle into an economy. It trickles into businesses. You know if you're if you uh, are uncertain about buying a car because inflation's going up, the price is going up, then you don't buy a car. Eventually, that's going to translate when a bunch of other people think the same way, and it's going to react, move its way through, and General Motors' earnings aren't going to be as good, right? So by having prices run rampant like that, it's really impactful and can really hurt a lot of people that are, you know, on the on sort of a shoestring as far as their budget is concerned. So. It's really important to get those things in uh, to get inflation under control, and we're we're seeing now that that's as important as ever because the Federal Reserve is still staying on top of uh, raising rates and doing things like that, even while we're having lots of other things going on. So that kind of shows us how important getting inflation. Well, I would appreciate if inflation was under control because uh, we just went and got my my older son does not like the texture of peanut butter, so he has like a sun butter thing. It was eight dollars for this little thing jar of sun butter and it was like yeah i think that used to be three or four not that long ago not like in the old days when pappy threw a quarter at you and said go get me a coke uh (laughs) this is like three years ago kind of old days so yeah so let me ask this um i wanted you to kind of touch again on what you were saying about the car buying situation Mm -hmm. people are holding back now because of inflation but what you're saying is is eventually people are going to need to get the car and that does what with the manufacturing and so they continue to drive it up or down (laughs) yeah so eventually it will work its way into driving driving demand down because as prices continue to go further and further up people are going to stop purchasing things and eventually what happens is the companies that are manufacturing things whether it's a car or Uh, a computer or whatever else it might be are going to be impacted when those prices continue to get higher and higher and higher and and then are out of reach for, for normal people. So at first it, and that's why we, it's why it's so difficult at first, you know, inflation goes up, Apple can raise the price of a computer, right? But then over time, eventually it's kind of a boom and bust where, uh, where that can impact and sort of echo through the economy and 
can lead to layoffs and all sorts of other things that they're trying to avoid if they can. Do you get a lot of calls from clients when the economy and, and maybe, you know, this is the first time you've had to deal with it. Um, do you get a lot of very concerned clients calling you saying, what's going on? <laughs> It, it, de it depends on the on the day and the event, but uh, most of our clients that we've worked with for a really long time, they understand we're, we're kind of at the helm of it. We're taking care of things, but uh, a lot of clients are concerned uh, about the economy and how it's impacting them and their portfolio. And usually our message is the same. It's, you know, hey, we have a plan in place, you know, whether it's an investment plan or a financial plan or whatever else it is to, to sort of weather these things. We, we may make some small tweaks on the back end, but for the most part, you know, we're not going to make any major shifts because our our belief is, you know, you buy something, buy a good investment, whether it's a mutual fund or an ETF or whatever it might be, and you put those together into a good portfolio and you hold those over a long period of time. And and that's inevitably going to lead to wealth for yourself and your family. Well, and the other thing, too, is there's a lot of stuff happening that has not happened concurrently in the past. And so it's not like you can say, oh, well, this happened in 2007, 2008. This was the solution. This is how it all plays out. We didn't have a massive departure of the labor force through the boomer generation not come back. And suddenly we have really low unemployment, yet also these other things that, that didn't happen then. And so it's not yeah. as easy to go, oh, well, that's the solution. And I'll tell clients, like, we don't have the magic answer, so which is why you can't have this clear path you have to have a strategy that over, like overarches the short-term drama and gets through that so that when you get out of it and then you look back and you do that you're like oh wow that, that was kind of weird and we had this thing happen that was probably not the best thing to do then 30 years later we'll go through another weird thing that we didn't know about <laughs> uh, you at least you you weren't so hung up on what was that feeling that panicky feeling it was more on okay i've got a plan take a breath yeah. The plan's in play. The plan's mm -hmm. still good. So does that so, mean the clients call a lot or they don't call a lot? <laughs> uh, no, I mean, not really. We really haven't. I don't no? think okay, a lot well, of calls. Yeah. I, I think, think part of it is we uh, communicate a lot Yeah, on this kind of stuff. We want to talk more to have regular touch points so we're not just waiting for the call to go, oh, boy. And then, you know, <laughs> CNN, the NBC desk. says something, all of a sudden the, the phone line starts <laughs> yeah. firing up. Um, yeah. Derek, I want to do a quick pivot to something a little different. Like, so we have a unique practice. You know this. You work here too. Um, where <laughs> we have this tax planning, financial planning, investment management trifecta that kind of intersects for a lot of people. Why is that important in your perspective? Why is there a synergy between those three things? And really, why is it really important to pay attention to all of them at the same time? Yeah, so... You're exactly right. We do have a little bit of a unique scenario where we're thinking about the taxes in a really deep way. We're thinking about planning uh, in a really deep way. And then we're also paying attention and really honing in on the investments. I, I think that helps a lot for clients who I think you may have alluded to this earlier. When we have a new client come on board who uh, you know may have a lot of appreciated positions, whether those are stocks, bonds, you know, mutual funds, anything like that. And, you know, sometimes a, a run-of-the-mill investment plan might entail selling everything. And if you're just an investment manager and you don't really pay attention to the taxes, then you may go ahead and sell everything and you might incur a whole lot of taxes that didn't need to be paid. Um, so from our perspective, it's really great that you can have the CPA, the, the financial planner, and the investment manager 
in the same room to hash this stuff out where we may say, hey, this fund, he, you know, we, we would prefer you to own this fund, but the fund you own is actually pretty close. And if we take a deep dive, we can actually see what those components are and how they do things. And so actually we can keep that fund in the portfolio and trim it over time if we need to. Uh, that's something that's that that's pretty uncommon out there um, mm -hmm. as far as being able to really build those portfolios from scratch for clients that do have you know larger appreciated uh, gains in their portfolio. So that's just one example of how we can really serve clients thinking about taxes, investments, and their financial planning, and making sure you know we're doing everything to to maximize their their benefit. Well, and and one of the things that we we've had some cases recently where we have situations where there's a person executing a plan. Right. Mm -hmm. They're like, they're just going to do their thing. And yeah. this is what we like here. And so they just put everyone into that, whether it makes sense or not. And in <laughs> kind of account, it was actually was really critical. Why did you do that in that kind of account? Because now it doesn't play out the same way as it would with sure. an average person. And so it, it's that kind of interface interplay that really is critical and making sure it doesn't just get overlooked. Um, most people, the taxes are some of the most expensive things they pay over the course of their lifetime they pay more in taxes than almost anything else. Yeah. I think and that's, yeah we've heard that, or we've said that a lot. Yeah, that's your number one expense in retirement is taxes. Yeah. And it's making sure that people understand that it does have a play. It doesn't now, it doesn't mean the tax tail wags dog. <laughs> I think in this is more of like a triforce of good. If all three parts work best together, uh, sure. dating myself as a child of the eighties, but the, <laughs> you know, it's not that you want taxes saying, well, I don't do anything because taxes would be incurred. You don't do, you don't let the investment strategy say, well, I like these investments, so I'll sell everything you got. And the plan says this. And therefore, if you don't follow the plan and get 100% utilization of it, you failed everything. So there's just this nice hybrid of the three, I say, checking each other and, mm -hmm. and requiring some thought of like, okay, what's the plan? If, if our route is this, how is it playing these three things? And then how does that work out best for the client ultimately? Yeah. Mm. Okay. Yeah. So, Derek, will you come back for the next episode? We didn't really get to talk about the rise of social media advisors. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to to tune in or to, to chime in on that. So I have a feeling you're not fans. <laughs> not particularly. <laughs> OK, well, we will be talking about that next time. Uh, Jason, how do people get in touch with you? Best place to go to is cookwealth.com or call our office 919-784-9100. Thank you, Jason. Thank you, Derek. And thank you for joining us today. Please like, follow, and share this podcast with your friends. Until next time, I'm Wendy McConnell. Thank you for listening to the Own Your Wealth podcast. Click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Visit our website at cookwealth.com or give us a call at 919-784-9100. And don't forget to click the follow button to be notified when new episodes become available. Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC is a registered investment advisor with the U.S. Securities and Exchange Commission. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Cook Wealth Management Group, LLC. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investing advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service provider with any questions you may have regarding your investment planning.